Hey everybody, how you doing? It's Clay Waddell here. You are listening to the Most OKS podcast on the most independent podcast network that you can find, which is pretty much iTunes. Uh, I have no superiors to answer to at the present time, so we're just going to freewheel like we always do around here. A lot of stuff to get into on this week's episode. Try to cut it down into uh, kind of bite-sized pieces as we are known to do around these parts. But uh, first and foremost, uh, since our last little uh, check-in, the Oklahoma teachers are back at work, and uh, that is going to be something that I think a lot of parents around the state are grateful for. A lot of kids are going to be grateful for because a lot of kids really, really do appreciate everything that teachers do for them. And uh, it's good to see everyone back in the classrooms. But not all of the questions were answered. Not all the money was given that the teachers were seeking as far as the funding goes. The pay raise is going to be up for debate here uh, on a annual, um, semi-annual basis because it is uh, all factored in with kind of some uh, regressive taxes that aren't as sexy as what has been hailed as the Amazon sales tax for the state of Oklahoma and the uh, ball and dice tax. So um, we're going to see here in the next few years if that's going to stick, if that's going to grow, or uh, how that's exactly going to work out. I'm just glad that kids are going to be able to return to their normal lives. Uh, parents that work really hard and have been struggling to find uh, ample daycare, uh, for lack of a better term, for their children. Uh, that's going to be something they don't have to worry about because the kids will be in school for you know eight hours a day. And they don't have to find uh, babysitters or outside activities. Uh, I know firsthand from working with them. A lot of real working class um, moms and dads that's been a struggle for them to get through this time. But although they are fully supportive of the teachers, just very, very pissed off with the governor of the state of Oklahoma. Uh, Mary Fallon definitely is one of the uh, top 10 worst people in the world. I think if you asked a lot of Oklahomans, they would answer the same. Um, but that that's um, just kind of a bookend to what I've talked about on uh, previous episodes and uh, kind of keeping you guys in the loop on a national and international level. I'm sure you may have been following or, or if you are not following, uh, yeah, the Oklahoma teachers walked out of school and were out of school for about two weeks uh, right after spring break. So uh, it was good news for the kids. They definitely didn't have to go to class for about three weeks. The best news, though, is that senior class uh, high school students are going to be able to attend graduation. And um, I know that this is going to lengthen the school year a little bit. I think class periods are going to run a little bit longer. The days are going to run a little bit longer. The teachers are not giving up. And um, and starting in June, the primary elections for uh, state uh, House members and I believe um, state Senate seats, at least uh, some of them, um, will be up for um, election. And there has been a record number of filings for those, at least for the House seats, in terms of uh, trying to kind of uh, take a bat to the establishment politicians that have been in a comfy seat um, representing their districts for some time now. And uh, a lot of those people that filed are teachers and a lot of them that filed are parents. And it's going to be really great to see what happens here because if these uh, current uh, currently seated 
um, state representatives are uh, comfortable, they're about to become a lot more uncomfortable. Um, it's going to be a very uh, interesting time, but starting in June, not till no- November is the general election, of course, but there is going to be a primary, and that means the number of candidates obviously gets whittled down between the June primary and the November general election. So we should see what happens, and I think the gubernatorial race in the state of Oklahoma has a lot of uh, a lot of appeal as well. I think that people don't quite uh, grasp that Oklahoma does have a good chance of uh, landing over a excuse me a uh, Democratic governor. I'm not so sure about a Republican-controlled state legislator late legislatures. Pardon me, um, but it's going to be a lot more purple. Um, I be- and that's just in my heart of heart belief because I'm not really rooting for Democrats. I'm certainly not rooting for Republicans, but I have a feeling that um, the Republican majority is going to be uh, shaken up quite a bit by all of this. And um, there's a guy in particular, Nathan Dom, who is uh, an Oklahoma state senator that is running for uh, Oklahoma Congressman Jim Bridenstine's uh, vacated seat. He left his position as an Oklahoma congressman to become the head of NASA under President Trump. And, uh, of course, there's tons and tons of Republican suitors that are just angling to get that seat. Now, um, they're gonna, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that because I, I think that a, Repu- a Republican's going to win the seat, but who wins it is going to be by a very narrow margin. Um, it's just... Um, it's it, a lot of people in November are going to just say, no, we don't want this Republican um, continued um, theocracy and anti-teacher uh, motif to continue. Um, but we'll, um, you know, we'll just I think the voter turnout is going to be a very high number uh, in the state, which has typically been very low um, especially in recent years. So looking forward to seeing what happens with all that. I want to take a little moment here to thank a couple of, uh, of potential sponsors that may or may not ever hear this podcast, but uh, I have been loving and using the hell out of these uh, noon in UUN electrolyte tablets. I've been throwing them in my uh, water bottle before I go to work, before I go to bed, especially after I've been drinking. Um, it really helps um, with the hydration level in your body. I think if you normally are trying to drink as much water as you can, this helps uh, supplement that water with the electrolytes needed to keep you uh, alert and keep you hydrated and keep your body functioning well. Um, hopefully the, there is no uh, health drawback to this, but only time will tell. But it is pretty amazing. And uh, I recommend these pe- these uh, to anybody. They're just effervescent tablets. You drop into um, a 16-ounce you know, thing of water, and uh, they bubble up. It's fun to watch. And then they've got all kinds of flavors. Some of them have, some have caffeine, some don't. So, uh, so just check those out. They are a little pricey um, for my liking, but the result is, um, is hard to beat. So noon tablets, get after it. Go get it, people. Uh, secondly, um, and I've been harping on this for a while, Bodabox. 
Revolution, any of their other products, I'm sure, are wonderful as well. But Revolution, seriously, I'm, it, as far as a um, fall and winter wine on the cheap, you get essentially four bottles of wine in one box. It's an easy drinking wine. It's delicious, especially if you're a red lover. And it's, uh, you know, you can fool people at parties if you're just pouring it um, and they don't see you pouring it out of a box. They're going to be very thrilled with uh, with the product that they're sipping on. So, uh, Boda Box, yo, I'm looking at you. Um, I know there is a podcast, and that's why we drink, that Christine is all about, and she definitely uh, is plugged for you. I'm plugging for you, too. Let's get something done. You guys are the best. Um, moving right along, though. I want to talk again about politics just because it's you can't get away from it. And I know it is tiring. I know there is fatigue. But the problem is, is if you become fatigued and beaten down by um, all the different reports that come at you. Um, and I, I say this not not disregarding uh, the Syrian um, missile strikes that the U.S. Uh, conducted last week. But um, you have to be on your toes with this stuff because it's it's better to be informed. Um, draw your information, like I've said before, from as many outlets as you can because the truth really is somewhere in the middle. Um, it's just uh, it's an important time. I know that after the Syrian airstrikes, uh, the U.N. ambassador for the United States, Nikki Haley, was saying that they were going to toughen up sanctions on Russia. She was then uh, thrown right under the bus by the White House saying that, you know what, we're not so we're not really sure if we're going to do that just yet. So that was uh, that was really unfortunate because I believe she has a very strong voice. I don't necessarily agree with everything she has to say, yet I do think that she she is a very strong person and has a wonderful voice and does represent the United States with the best of her abilities. So I'm really rooting for her. And I hope that uh, those close to uh, Donald Trump that actually can kind of get in between him and uh, his Twitter account can, uh, can hold off and uh, make sure that Nikki Haley is uh, allowed to do her job and do it without, you know, being undermined by the people that put her in her position uh, that she currently occupies there at the United Nations. Now, other developments, as there always are from day to day, hour to hour with uh, the Trump presidency, we have a lot of things going on uh, with the Michael Cohen um, raid of his office. Um, a federal judge just ruled today that uh, she is not sure which uh, which side is going to be able to look at the documents that were seized by the FBI in that early morning raid uh, just a week ago at Michael Cohen's offices. I do think that um, she um, is going to probably allow the prosecution to see them first. But of course, um, everything is being vetted to see what is, um, you know, protected under the attorney client privilege. And uh, she also did mention that uh, Donald Trump and his counsel would be allowed to see uh, facsimiles of anything that was directly pertaining to him. So I think that with that in mind, uh, the Trump uh, administration is still very, very, very concerned about all of this going on uh, with Michael Cohen's office being raided and all of the documents they were able to obtain because he is uh, in a position now where um, there's more 
uh, fretting about what is going to be um, just becoming a matter of public record with those documents being seized by the FBI uh, than anything that Robert Mueller's uh, special investigation has uh, uncovered involving possible Russian collusion in the 2016 election. Uh, a lot of uh, people on the right feel that all of this is just kind of a, a dog whistle to like, well, go get this Cohen guy because we're not really sure if we're going to be able to drudge up enough stuff here in our uh, collusion investigation. But I, I'm, I'm not fairly... I'm not even fairly certain that that's true. I think that they're two different things, but they are both going to collide because if, in fact, there was a payment uh, from Michael Cohen's Shell Corporation uh, that was paid out to Stormy Daniels and he was subsequently reimbursed through his Shell Corporation by the Trump campaign or the Trump Corporation, um, that's going to be problematic because that is an in-kind donation for something that directly violates campaign finance laws. And that is going to be a little bit of an issue. So I hope that, uh, I hope that Michael Cohen, uh, has been able to talk with, the the Donald because there's going to be potential jail time. As I've, as I've already said, this is something that is, uh, is very real. And I think the right wants to dismiss it. I know that so many people on the right just are willing to uh, push this off to the side saying they know they didn't elect an altar boy, especially the, um, the religious um, evangelists that were behind him the whole way. They, uh, they, they're back in their guy and to, uh, to whatever end that may be. But um, it's funny that we've got all these people that are, you know, you know, pounding the Bible and saying that, yeah, he may have done all these terrible things that are, you know, against what we believe in terms of uh, what our faith teaches us. Yet, uh, you know, Bill Clinton is still the worst one out there in terms of uh, infidelity and extramarital affairs and all of that. So, yeah, um, it, it, it will be uh, it's worth following and seeing where it goes. Also, James Comey's book is coming out, and James Comey has made uh, the media rounds, continues to do so, and uh, he definitely feels that there's a lot going on with uh, the Trump administration. Feels very akin to dealing with uh, the mafia and mob bosses, and just in terms of their uh, their general attitudes and approaches towards towards all of the ongoing uh, storylines that Comey has uh, put before uh, the media as well as his congressional hearing. So we're, uh, we're in for a little bit of a wild ride there. Uh, what the, the book that came out, the uh, uh, fire and fury or, or whatever it was that um, was written by the guy who was clearly um, a questionable character. He just had a lot of juicy, salacious details that really couldn't be substantiated, especially when he went on the, the media tour himself to talk about his book. I think we're looking at something that's a little more uh, gr- just grounded in r- outright dislike for President Trump, but it was probably going to be a little bit more factually accurate, certainly a little more uh, cemented and uh, well thought out, but it's definitely got, I think it's got vendetta uh, themes throughout it, but it's still going to be a good read because it's written by a guy that's, you know, very articulate, is familiar with the law, being a former prosecutor himself, and uh, certainly with a lot of direct contact with the president and with Jeff Sessions um, and uh, and all the people that uh 
you know, work in this White House. So uh, I'm very, I'm very curious to listen and learn a little bit more. I need to, uh, I need to actually become a better and more voracious reader because there's so many good books coming out right now and really good reporting coming out now on all of the things that make up this very interesting time in which we live. So you guys, uh, you guys can keep me up to speed and uh, become my, uh, my de facto cliff notes. Let me know uh, what I'm missing or what, uh, what, uh, what corrections I need to make. Please, please feel free to do so. I'm, I'm not an expert. Uh, I do comment on politics, but it doesn't make me a political commentator, not by a long shot. So, um, that's uh, that's kind of the gist of what's going on there. I think that we're going to see a lot more involvement in Syria. There's a dispute about whether or not Russia had anything to do with uh, going into the bombed uh, sites and trying to get stuff out um, before the attacks occurred or even after. Um, just and it's going to it's a mess and you can't really trust anything that russia is doing at this point uh vladimir putin is um certainly you know you know kind of taking down his pants and showing off his uh showing off his wiener saying hey mine's bigger than yours don't be doing anything you know with my buddy um you know Hassad over there because we are uh we're trying to make this highway straight to israel you know, with Iran and Syria, um, and trying to just get right in there because there is a lot of, um, there, there's an undercurrent of anti-Semitism, and, uh, it's a dangerous time and we gotta be, uh, we gotta be very, very cautious about, um, things going on in that neck of the world, because if we do intend to, um, you know, look to Israel and want to be a part of Israel's, um, you know, good side. I mean, we did recognize Jerusalem as the capital under uh, this, you know, fearless leader that we've got in the White House right now. We've got to, we've just got to push forward and see what we, um, what we can do to help them out because it's, um, it's just so volatile as it has been now for, you know, 10,000 plus years in that part of the world. Uh, That's, um, Let's let's just end the politics stuff there because I think that a lot of people have probably clicked off the podcast by now or are just like okay, Clay, you know, get get to the next thing. Come on, man, we we can find this shit on Twitter if we want to. So just just leave it be, and uh, that's fine. Um, I know it's not going to be much of an exciting segue, but for some, it probably is. The NBA playoffs are underway. Uh, my team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, really uh, am proud of the effort that they showed in their first game versus the Utah Jazz. And uh, a lot of people, including Amin El Hassan, who's one of my favorite guys on ESPN as far as being an outspoken personality. And I hate to say, you know, yes, he works for ESPN, but that's who he works for. ESPN does have a very good NBA um, uh, commentary department. They've got a lot of good talking heads that play the game and are well respected around the league. Um, and Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, definitely at the front of that line, but Amin is definitely at the top of the list. I just disagree with him. He said that the Jazz would roll the Thunder and the Thunder rolled the Jazz in game one uh, on Sunday, uh, Sunday night. And the next game, second game, is in Oklahoma City on Wednesday. So a bit of a layoff. Uh, enough time for the Jazz to kind of regroup and enough time for the Thunder to figure out what they can do a little bit better in order to uh, take this series to Utah with a uh, two-game 
advantage in that series. Um, really happy to see the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs. They did uh, get beat um, in kind of a close matchup with the with the Miami Heat, and uh, I really love watching Miami Miami Heat play. They've got a great coach, one of the best, very, very best in the NBA. Their defense is outstanding. Their shots were falling. They played really well and uh, beat a young team, but that series is split now, one game apiece, and it's going to uh, go into the AAA, the American Airlines Arena in Miami later this week. And um, I hope to see uh, I hope to see Joel Embiid healthy and playing again because the 76ers could have used him tonight. Um, plus, I really want to see what the ongoing feud between uh, Embiid and the the center for the Miami Heat. Um, uh, Hassan Whiteside, what that really looks like um, in a playoff setting, because I think those two are going to be um, getting after it pretty dirty, pretty dirty. And I like that. So we'll uh, we'll we'll be keeping tabs on things there. Uh, the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs um, got off to a pretty um, unceremonious start last Saturday. The Warriors just drubbed the Spurs by about 20 points, but you never never go against Greg Popovich and, and the San Antonio Spurs. They are well coached and always overachieve and all without Kawhi Leonard for pretty much this entire year. They've managed to put themselves in a position to uh, play one of the uh, better teams in the NBA, hands down. And uh, it's going to be great to see what happens when uh, when this series uh, is set and done because I think uh, San Antonio is going to make it a little bit more interesting than most people thought possible. Um, LeBron James is in trouble. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers got destroyed on their home court by the Indiana Pacers. And I think that, um, you know, despite having no real superstars on the, uh, on the Pacers uh, roster, I, that is going to be a very uh, indicative series of what what is going to happen with LeBron James and his impending free agency this summer. So um, I want to watch more of that series just because the Pacers are a very complete team, even though they don't have, you know, what you would call a superstar. They're just so well-rounded and they do a lot of things very well. And uh, they've got a couple of former Thunder players and uh, Demata Sabonis and Victor Oladipo in addition to Miles. And I think that it's just a great uh it's it's a it's a great trio of players to really build around and see what they can do. I'm not saying they're going to the NBA uh, finals or even the Eastern Conference finals, but they're definitely going to make things really tough for LeBron getting back to the finals for a rematch with either uh, most likely the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors. So um, it's uh, it's just fun to watch. There's so many other matchups. I'm not going to get into that and drone on and on. But I I like the Raptors. I like the Rockets. Uh, I think the I think the Warriors will prevail. I think the Spurs just make it interesting with the Warriors. I think that the Thunder are going to get the better of the Jazz, and um, I think that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be in uh, in a dogfight. Even though the Boston Celtics have proven, even without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. They can uh, they can go out and they can win big games, well, you know when it counts. I think that the um, the Portland Trailblazers are going to be given all they can handle by the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans proved just as much by winning uh, Game One in that series on the road at Portland uh, just the other night. So 
lots of exciting basketball. This was one of the most unpredictable uh, postseason brackets that NBA fans have seen in many years just because everything came down to literally the last like two to three games of the regular season in terms of seeding and who was going to play who in the first round. So I know it's uh, it's a growing sport in popularity. It's a very progressive league. It's a very fun uh, product to watch on television. And uh, I don't think that uh, it's overstating it too much to say that there's going to be more eyeballs watching the NBA in the coming years than there will be watching the NFL because uh, the rise of the CTE epidemic and um, just the uh, the lifespan of players, it's hard to really get attached to them because they burn out so quickly and year to year. It's just un- so unpredictable. And if a quarterback gets hurt, the an entire season can be wrecked for any given team that you really just don't know. Um, you don't know what's going to happen year to year. The NBA is a little more solidified um, just given that there are uh, it's a smaller roster and players can really, really show up even when um, big stars go down, such as the case with the Spurs and such as the case with the Boston Celtics. So um, if you're not an NBA fan, I definitely would say give it a second chance because they're 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 great games. They're they're fun personalities, and they're some of the most phenomenal athletes on this planet. I would say that in closing, that um, this is just kind of a, a, a real keeping it real type um, message. That if you're a parent and you're you have a child, a young child, especially that is, uh, you know, we're talking, you know, eight to 12 years old and the child seems to be having a hard time with friends, having a hard time at school. You're hearing from teachers that they're, uh, they feel a little angry. They're not, they're unable to complete their work. They're, um, you know, getting very short with their attention span on different, uh, different assignments. It's not to say that it is the problem, but it's a problem that is uh, very common and something that it might be worth looking into is to having your child, um, you know, looked at by the school counselor and also going outside of school and seeking some counseling for your child just to see if ADHD is something that is afflicting your child. We've, um, my wife and I have encountered that with our daughter and she's done marvelously with the help of a very good pediatrician. Uh, she's done a little bit of ADHD counseling to better understand, you know, how she can, you know, work around a lot of the things that have kind of stood in her way in terms of being able to focus on school and, you know, being able to, you know, interact with classmates in a way that is um, more just more conducive to just getting, you know, just getting past little conflicts. My child is not a head case, not by a long shot. As a matter of fact, she's in the majority of children that probably have very similar issues. And I think that a lot of parents probably realize that their kid is someone that is, you know, having to deal with a lot of those things on a daily basis. We have to remind ourselves as the adults that these children are growing up in a much different time. They can never truly leave school. The rise of social media, um, you know, the ability to 
uh, have a cell phone at a young age. Uh, they're, they're always they're always connected, and that is not exactly a good thing, especially when you're talking about the age group that I'm referencing here. But we just need to be more supportive, more attuned to what's going on in their lives, and just be better listeners and just try to understand what's going on and just encourage them to keep talking to us and see what we can do to help them uh, at the end of the day. I don't mean for this to be a soapbox thing. It's just something that, you know, is it's a current event in my life and just talking through it here uh, to all of you guys listening kind of helps me uh, remind myself as well as, you know, try to be kind of a beacon to be like, Hey, you're not alone here. And they're totally, um, there, there's so many avenues that can totally help you out and help your child out and provide for a more enriched experience for for you guys as a family. So if you feel like that's something that might be just kind of, you know, in the whole layered composite that makes up your your kid's life don't don't put it off address it and do it in a kind and loving way don't try to preach to your kid just say hey like let's look at this a little closer let's see if we can figure out what it is that's making things hard for you and you know let's try to make it better and because our job as parents is to become you know not just we're, we're not supposed to become their friends that comes later in life but right now we're supposed to be role models we're supposed to be fixers we're supposed to be teachers we're supposed to be lovers for them in terms of just lo- all just like unconditionally loving them as people and and making sure that they have making sure they have the best possible experience um, and become and become the people that we wish to see them become. So that's uh, that's my little bit of uh, parenting advice, such so limited, such as limited as it may be, with the with the time that I've had with my uh, with my stepdaughter. But I've learned a lot, and I'm looking forward to learning more as the years go by, and she continues to grow and blossom into just a, a, a kick ass, intelligent, um, independent young woman and um you know she's going to be um she's going to be doing a lot of awesome things in her life and uh her mom and i just can't wait to see all of that unfold so uh cheers to you guys keep up the hard work don't let down and even on the bad days just know that there's going to be plenty of good days ahead and um enjoy every minute of it because all this stuff happens so quick and before you know it they're uh you know, they're, they're, they're adults. They're, you know, fully cognizant and independent thinkers and, you know, have their own value structure and, um, you know, their own way of, uh, approaching things. So just, um, just do your best. And, you know, some days that's going to be, that's going to be great. Some days it's not going to be so great, but as long as you're consistent, your, your, your kid's going to recognize that. And even if they feel like they're, you feel like they're running away from you, they're going to come back. That's what they do. All right, guys, that's enough for, uh, for this episode. 
I really appreciate all of you tuning in. It's been so great to see all the support on Twitter. Uh, there was a couple of exchanges I had uh, with uh, other podcasts that haven't released episodes in a while, and they were uh, getting shout outs on Fall of Friday. And one in particular said, "I feel kind of guilty that I'm still getting shouted out. I haven't released an episode since you know December." And you know, there's so many of us that are like that too. We just, life life has a way of commanding your attention in other ways. And podcasting can't always be at the forefront, especially when, you know, you're just running the operation, whether it's just yourself or you and one other person, it, it just becomes a little tricky. But keep up the good work, all of you podcasters. So many people love your programs, love all the work that you do love the research that you do and love your voices and your senses of humor. And it's just, it's great for everybody. I know I'm an, I enjoy so many and just, just please don't stop doing what you're doing because your, uh, your efforts aren't going unnoticed. And, um, and I'm very grateful, very grateful for all of you and your creative processes. Let's, uh, what else we got here? Oh, uh, social media. Follow me on Twitter if you haven't already. And my handle is at most OKS pod. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well. That is at most OKS podcast. My email, if you have uh, some lengthy comments you want to get to me, is most OKS podcast at gmail.com. Uh, any of those ways, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Twitter certainly is my um, my number one. That's the one I'm most active on. But um, go ahead and uh, give a shout out and say hi. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys out there in the Twitter sphere, the Instagram world, and beyond. So uh, I love you all so much. Thank you for tuning in for this week and for all the delightful ramblings that I have fun talking about. I hopefully made it a little bit interesting. I've been doing these past couple of episodes on my handheld recorder because I've been having recurring issues um, with my, uh, my little studio setup. So it does sound a little bit different. I've been outside on my front porch recording these episodes, which has to be really fucking awesome for people that have been just walking their dogs and seeing me sitting on my porch talking into this thing with my headphones on and uh it's just uh, it's a delight so hopefully that's popped up on somebody's uh facebook and they've made a meme of me but if they haven't already i'm sure it's i'm sure it's coming down the pipeline so you guys have a great rest of your week. Uh, we've got more stuff coming along. Um, I've got my buddy Ryan Snow coming into Tulsa. He and I are going to get together and hopefully uh, just record a, just us kind of talking. I don't know where that conversation is going to go, but it should be uh, should be a fun one. We're definitely going to be getting into the booze, and it just will be. Uh, we might end up, you know, tearing each other to pieces and whatever arguments we get into. But um, I look forward to that because I miss that guy. He, he lives in Florida now and I live here in Oklahoma. So getting together is a, kind of a rare occasion. But having him not just, um, you know, Skyped in as he was on a previous episode, having him here in person, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, take care, everybody, and we'll see you guys on the flip side. It's the most okayest podcast. We'll see y'all later.